Hello and welcome to the Vikings Territory Breakdown with myself, Joe Oberly, uh, Senior Writer for Vikings Territory and Purple PTSD, and Mark Craig from the Star Tribune, StarTribune.com. We're back for another session of this uh, bloodletting of the Vikings season and everything that's happened since then. And we're going to talk about the playoffs that they're not in. We're going to talk about the coaching and general manager search. And uh, and we're going to talk about some some headlines that are happening for this team. So uh, glad you're here. Let's let's get into it, Mark. You know, I uh, some quick Viking news. I wanted uh, something that kind of irked me a little bit. Not irked, but you know, I think it was just a little miscarriage of judgment. Judgment. You have a uh, as a major insider with the NFL, you have Hall of Fame vote, but you also vote on MVP and and all pro and such like that. Um, and Justin Jefferson came up one vote short for the first team all pro this year. And uh, in fact, he was beat out by Debo Samuel. So I'll talk about that in a minute, but you know, what were your thoughts? What can you tell us about the process there and what happened and what you think about it? Yeah. I mean, it's changed over the years. We used to, I mean, there for a while they kind of tinkered with having like a, a flex player, which I think Debo Samuel would have been a perfect selection for that. Um, you know, we had two receivers. Uh, they did away with the fullback. So the process has kind of changed in, in how they've, um, you know, formulated having, you know, 11 on 11. Uh, to me, there's three. there were three receivers. Cooper Cup was, uh, I, I would assume, he was a unanimous selection. Uh, one of the greatest receiving seasons we've ever seen. Uh, I voted for him. I voted for, for Adams because I think he's the best receiver in the league. And then I voted for Justin Jefferson because I have not, there, I don't believe there are three better receivers in the league than he is. Um, Jamar Chase was my fourth guy, a rookie. So, I mean, the receiver position with these LSU guys, uh, young guys, are is the future is uh, quarterbacks are getting better, but so are receivers. And so uh, I didn't have Debo Samuel in my top four, but, you know, watching that playoff game and watching what he does, the weapon that he is, the versatile weapon that he is, I don't think there's a running back in the league that runs harder than this guy does out of the backfield, let alone him being a receiver. He's Percy Harvin, but he's even better, I think. So I don't have a problem. You know, my vote went to Justin Jefferson. Maybe that's because, you know, I see him every week, uh, whereas maybe others don't. But everyone knows who Justin Jefferson is. Um, so now, you know, two years in the league, two second-team All-Pros. His first team or his first-team All-Pros are coming. There's going to be a there's going to be more than one of them. I guarantee it. it so you have you have more than four votes, or you just have four votes? You vote for three receivers. You know, oh. when you're putting, you're gonna, you vote for, you know, you vote for one. It's not like you're, a, you know, a participation. This the Associated Press is. I mean, there's a lot of all pro votes, but that's the one that's used as uh, when a guy retires and you're considering for the Hall of Fame. They don't say, you know, hey, the P, Pro Football Writers Association first team all pro. It's the Associated Press. That's the one that's been established since the 50s or uh, probably, I think, 1957 was the first one. Uh, so I, when I say three, I had, you know, you pick three receivers. And, and then he, he, is your rookie pick. Well, no, no, Jamar Chase, whenever I was putting it together, I'm th- I didn't vote for Jamar Chase. Oh, okay. I'm saying, when I'm sitting down looking at it, I'm like, you know, which receivers am I picking? Obviously, there's Cooper Cup, and then I like Devontae Adams. And then, you know, if I – if Justin Jefferson didn't get my vote, it probably would have been Jamar Chase, not Debo Samuel. You know, I just just for the record, uh, Jefferson had 108 catches for 
1,616 yards and 10 touchdowns. Debo Samuels, his receiving stats are 77 for 1405 and six touchdowns. Now, on the other hand, he did have eight touchdowns as a running back and uh, 59 carries for 365 yards. So, if it's all-purpose yards, he's got he's got uh, Justin beat there in the statistics. But yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I, I, it, it seems like with it, you said they used to have it where they had a flex guy, but they don't because there weren't flex players. Or why did that change? And, it, and it's not so now. Well, they've I think they've just tinkered over the years with because there um, for years there was a fullback that got first team All Pro, and it was typically whoever the fullback was on the number one rushing team. Uh, and then there became where there were so few fullbacks that. It seemed unfair. That wasn't the way the league was being played. Mm-hmm. So there was a discussion about how you, um, you know, how do you make up the eleven? You know, uh, you know, on each side, and it got to be where make it a flex player. So if you wanted to pick a fullback, or if you wanted to pick another receiver, or if you wanted to pick a, another running back, you could do that. Uh, now it's it's three receivers, and, and uh, I think the one running back and tight end, and so. Yeah, I mean that's you know, Debo is a he's a great he's a great receiver. He's a great first of all, he's a great player. Yeah. So I don't I don't have a problem with him him getting that. I you know, that's the way he plays the game is that's pretty pretty special. Yeah, well all adds up to uh, another uh, a missed opportunity for Jefferson. You add that to him not getting the rookie record because of uh the way Zimmer called things the last week and uh He'll be gone after his rookie contract. It's all it's, it's obvious now to me. I'm not kidding. Um, speaking of Zimmer and, and uh, the old regime that was still around, there are a couple of interesting nuggets that happened this week, and this one wasn't a nugget. Ben Gessling had a story in, in Star Tribune on the team's dysfunction and what was going on in the locker room. And I know you contributed to that story, uh, some reporting to it. So uh, it, was, it was quite a deal. It's got quite a bit of buzz around here. You know, a lot of people are talking about it. And I, I guess I just want to throw it out there and see what you think about it. What, you know, how was collecting that story? There's a lot of guys that were, you know, given anonymity for, you know, and um, others that weren't. It was uh, it was quite an interesting deal, but it, it, it just it showed a, a locker room that there was uh, – some unhappen. I mean, it, I don't want to say it was toxic, but I, I, it, it sounded like there was some dysfunction going on there between the coaching staff and and the players. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I think toxic toxic is a good word to describe the, the very end. And you know, knowing Zimmer and knowing just his personality, it wasn't going to end in a pleasant shake of hands and part you know amicably way. Um, I thought the story did a fantastic job of summing up the the final days of a guy who knew that he was that he was done. Probably felt that he was uh, didn't have the best uh, you know um, ammo given to him. Uh, you know, he had COVID. He did have a lot of things that came against him. Uh, and, and he summarized it for the players there in the locker room. Yeah. So to me, that was what well, that was the best. That was the juiciest nugget of all of it. Was the description of of Zimmer the Wednesday before the final game when he knows he's done and he is he's going down he's not going down sinking like a rock he's flailing and he's for him to 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 do that with the media is one thing for him to take that into the locker or into the meeting room 
and put up examples of what's happened to him going back to his second game in 2014 when Adrian Peterson is indicted for child abuse. You know, that says a lot about the bitterness that's inside of a guy. And also, just personally, what I saw at the end with, with Mike was a guy that probably wasn't sleeping and a guy that was absolutely physically spent trying to give everything he had to this team to try and win. Um, I know when I talked to him in the summer, uh, he made reference. He was kind of joking, but not joking. Uh, he said, you know, the one thing I, I, I don't want to do is die in this job. And I feel like this, yeah, the Wilfs, not only do they need a new direction, but I think they might have done Mike Zimmer's health uh, you know, a favor because uh, he, was, he was going in a bad spot. He was not you – know, he, he was worn out. He was spent emotionally, physically, exhausted. Now, whether he ends up in Dallas as defensive coordinator next year, who knows. But I think he needed a break from this team, and uh, it's going to be for, – for his long-term health, I think it helps him. When he when he did that, uh, reportedly uh, got in front of the his players and and kind of did the laundry list of things that have gone awry in his eight years here, which there's a lot of irrelevance to what's going on. I mean, I'm sure that some of the players are going, "What the heck's going on?" There's some people are saying that he was doing that. It could have been that he was doing it to, you know, say, "Hey, bad stuff happens. You have to rise up against adversity." But you're you're kind of intimating that you think it was. It, he's he's going down flailing. He's he's it, this is his last. He's justifying, you know, why maybe he's getting let go and and it shouldn't be happening or or something. Is is that what you think? Or I you know, I, I don't know which which one it was. Uh, that, that that's that's a good point. I mean, he has made reference, you know, back when he was on stable ground uh, with the organization. He's made, you know, he he is a survivor. He was a survivor for yeah. for him to make it as long as he did. Uh, he's still a, you know, I would consider him a survivor in today's NFL. A lot of that has to do with how he did come over, overcome some, a lot of things. And the other part is how he, ownership was very patient, which I think is going to make this an attractive hire when you have stable ownership like that. Um, but yeah, it's, but I just think it's the wrong time. It, it, let's put it this way from, from what we were told or what, I would say in this case, Ben was told um, that wasn't, it was more of a guy having a little bit of an unhinged uh, approach to how he presented it. And I don't think it went over well with the players. Uh, it had to have been strange for them to sit there and hear that on, you know, this last, last week. I, you know, I, I feel bad for Zimmer. You know, we, you and I have talked about it in the past on the show um, that he could write a book. He said that. And uh, I said, you should jump on that book as soon as possible. Yeah. It would be a good one. There there was a lot of things, you know, but, you know, there's other things on other teams. But it seemed like, as usual with this Vikings organization, there are inordinate and unique things, inordinate amount of unique things that happen to this team outside of the norm of a, just a regular football team. So, um, yeah, and I think it, I think it's it's almost fitting the way it ended because – you know, there was he and uh, Spielman obviously didn't agree a hundred percent on bringing Kirk into the into the organization at that price. Zimmer, as you as you uh, remembered better than me, uh, said that if this doesn't work it out, I'll, I'll be fired. And then to get to the end, to just hover around. I mean, when Kirk was brought in, and I'm saying you know, Kirk's a good quarterback, but the knock was always he's a 500 quarterback. To bring him in. You know, and then just to be hovering around 500 right to the end. And then when you need to win a game, because I, I do feel that it, if they would have made the playoffs, they would have got another year. I, 
I don't think the, the, the Wills make the playoffs and then decide to clean yeah. house. So you've got to win that Green Bay game. And Kirk, as we all were talking about back in the summer, gets COVID and, and can't play. So it's just kind of like the, the neat little bow was tied on this. And so much of it was just that acquisition of Kirk and how what impact it did with Zimmer's defense. And then when you needed him at the very end, he's not there. So, um, you know, it's, it's a train wreck that uh, happens whenever you don't win and yeah. happens. This is not a new thing here. It just happens. You, you made uh, you intimated a nice segue to this next question. Uh, there was another nugget in the, online this past week about from Deion Sanders, who said he talked to Mike Zimmer since he, he got let go. And uh, Sanders said that Zimmer told him he hadn't spoken to uh, Spielman for months, the general manager and the head coach, not talking for months. Um, how, first of all, how's that possible? And second, Boy, that's 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 kind of telling, isn't it, Mark? Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, uh, Dion. I'm, you know, I don't know if you know this, but Dion probably has been known to exaggerate and kind of be boastful and a uh, little lar- little larger than life in his descriptions of things. Dion, you mean Dion? Um, yeah. no, so, now. but but I I, I take I, I believe that uh, you know there there was a fr- there was friction there, and it, it even started or or I don't know if it started, but when I talked to Zimmer last summer. Um, there was, you know, just flat out him saying, Hey, we can't, we can't keep missing on, on number one draft picks. Like we, you know, with Hughes and, and uh, all these different picks. Um, so that's kind of like a, a shot across the bow. And then there's other, I know that, uh, that Rick was not happy with how the offensive line was being used. Now that has to do with Dennison. All of a sudden you lose Dennison. He doesn't want to take the shot. He becomes a consultant, which is basically, they were hoping that, uh, just keep him, on the payroll somewhere because he wasn't participating. He wasn't uh, actively doing anything uh, virtually or anything. He was just kind of in holding if, if they survive the season and COVID uh, goes away and you can go back to normal next year and he'd come back. Um, But, you know, I don't think Rick was happy about how the offensive line was being used. Uh, So yeah, there was some, there's definitely some friction. I don't, I'm sure that that things cooled off and they weren't uh, talking a lot. Now, there's an awful lot of transactions and things that had to be done in the year of, you know, second year of COVID that um, they had to have communicated in some ways. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there was, it was definitely cooled off very, a lot, a lot of friction. Hey, you always, I think from the outside, you always kind of assume that these guys are all on the same page always, you know, they're sitting in the, in the draft room and they're discussing who do we want, who do we want, not who do I want, you know, who do we want? But it, it seems now that some of this comes out, it, it maybe there's a little bit more of a, of a line there or, or even in some cases a wall. I mean, I think if you're winning, you know, everybody's happy and everybody's, you know, of course, yeah. and, um, but it, it, it seems like it, it kind of fractured here and it, they, these guys that, formally got along pretty well. They kind of just eventually verged apart a little bit. Agree? Or? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that always happens. I've never seen where uh, when it doesn't work out that it hasn't happened that way. Uh, Spielman and Leslie Frazier, obviously huge divide. Um, Spielman didn't want, you know, when Leslie 2012, whenever they surprised the world, shocked the world with Adrian coming back and rushing for 2000 yards, making the playoffs with Christian Ponder you know, uh, Leslie Frazier didn't get an extension. At first it was like, 
the misperception was he got an extension. Well, all he got was another year that just uh, that was in his contract. Um, I don't think Rick wanted to go another year with with Leslie. And then, of course, they have the 13. It's the meltdown and they fire him. So, uh, but you know, Leslie didn't like the fact that uh, Antoine Winfield was released for for to save money. And then they turn around and Rick signs Josh Freeman, gives him money that could have gone to Antoine Winfield. So yeah. Uh, you just didn't hear a lot of it because Leslie, you know, kept it, you know, <laughs> Leslie says things to us after the fact, like, hey, why didn't you guys, you know, question a little bit more about the, <laughs> you know. Um, so, but that's just, that's just how it works. I mean, that's just how, when it doesn't work, you got, you know, a lot of times, it, I mean, they, they, they could not have been more in step because that was the guy that Zimmer or that uh, Spielman handpicked, very similar guys, similar age. Um, so, but it always ends that way. Um, how much of the issue is uh, Zimmer's personality? I mean, I, you know, I, my, my, I, I, I just liked him, but then I didn't run a foul of him. And I think uh, you, he has to kind of, you know, from the story that uh, you guys wrote, uh, there's a bit of, you know, he's got the personality that you want to please him because you, you know, might be fear you might get uh, chastised if you don't. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I, I wanted to say, I, I think if you get on the wrong side of Zimmer, it's not good. I mean, Chris Thomason from the St. Paul paper, we all know about that. Um, but uh, if, if, if you're not with him, he, he gets kind of crabby around you. And it, would, would you agree? I mean, suddenly it seems like, you know, when you read some of this, that, that lends credence to the fact that the guys had six offensive coordinators in six in, in his eight years here and couldn't quite get along with them. I, you know, it, am, am I reading this wrong, or is there some there's some? Speed well, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you're asking, is Zimmer a crusty sixty-five year old old school red and man chomping, yeah. red man chomping, you know, gun firing, grumpy old man? Yeah, I mean, he is. That's who he is. Um, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna kind of hit you between the eyes. If, and if you don't like it, then he doesn't care. Uh, I think the offensive coordinator thing is overblown because two of those guys got head coaching jobs underneath Mike Zimmer. I mean, it's not a terrible working relationship when two guys are on teams that are good enough to get them head coaching jobs. Um, one of the coordinators, uh, D Filippo was a position coach, uh, on a Super Bowl champion, came here, his ego was outsized, thought that he was going to walk in, uh, do whatever the hell he wanted to, go get a head coaching job the next year. So he thought he was the boss. He's not the boss. He wasn't the boss. So at some point, you know, you got to realize you're, you you work for him. And he and DiFilippo did not never believe that. He thought he was, the, I'm the, I got the ring. You know, I was quarterback's coach in Philly. Here's how we did it. I'm going to do it this way. Well, he found out that's not how you do it. And also that was probably, I don't know how much Zimmer was on board with that hire. I think that was more of a Spielman hire. And that's not going to work out when the head coach is not in yeah. step with who they're hiring as offensive coordinator. Uh, Norv, Norv was a, a, a very stubborn uh, guy that uh, wanted, did not want to change anything, did not believe that, that Zimmer had the qualifications to, to question him. And so when it got to a point where Zimmer said, hey, you know what? And one of the other really good nuggets in, in Ben's story was how Zimmer went to uh, Hugh Jackson to learn a little more offense so that he could be more critical of Norv 
And Norv didn't like that. Norv didn't like when they brought in Shermer, uh, Sperano. And then Norv got to a point where at his age, he said, you know what? I'm out. And uh, Zimmer didn't fire him. Norv couldn't take any more criticism. Norv is a, I like Norv. I like Zim. Norv's a thin-skinned, stubborn guy set in his ways. And Zimmer's the same guy. So, um, you know, and then Gary Kubiak was the, was the, probably the perfect fit. That was the guy that Zimmer really was in step with. Uh, but Zimmer, um, but Kubiak just didn't want another year. Kubiak really didn't want to be in a, in that coordinator role in, anyways, but, but, uh, Stefanski went on and got a job, a head coaching job. And then, so Gary stepped in, well, Gary, you know, COVID and everything, all that whole season, he didn't want to go through that again. A lot of these guys don't want to go through it at their age. And then, you know, to move in Clint, Clint wasn't ready. That's a bad hire. So um, there's a lot of th- there's a lot of context to these offensive coordinator jobs. You make a great point. I mean, when you look at it, you got six guys in six years. It, it looks terrible by the numbers. Two of them went on, got jobs. Those were promotions. Um, one of them was, uh, you know, the other two bad ones. And, you know, so it isn't as bad as it seems. However, I, do you think uh, any nepotism with the Clint, Clint hire and his son hire, hiring his son, Adam Zimmer, to the to an assistant defensive coordinator or a co-defensive coordinator or whatever he is, uh, do you think that hurt Zimmer at all? And do you think is that him making those hires or is that, uh, is that Spielman? No, that, that's Zimmer, you know, promoting Adam. Um you know, I don't know. I don't know that Adam, you know, deserved it. I mean, uh, by making co-defensive coordinator because because uh, Patterson should have been the defensive coordinator. Uh, well, actually, we all know who the defensive coordinator was. It was Mike Zimmer. Right. Uh, so to give titles like that, yeah, there's a little bit of, you know, if if it's if it's Adam Johnson, he probably doesn't become co-defensive coordinator. So that's yeah, that's that's Zimmer looking out for his for his kid. I I would feel comfortable saying that. And I think that, uh, you know, that's uh, Zimmer didn't really like how Norv, uh, Norv brought in his kid. And so it's kind of like uh, ironic that uh, he didn't like the fact that Scott was right. brought in as part of that staff. Um, and then he, you know, Zim, and then Adam gets a promotion. But, uh, you know, Adam's a good coach. Uh, he'll, he'll go on and you know, co- coach in the league. So, uh, but yeah, there's some of that. Sure. Yeah. Well, that kind of wraps a bow on it for me on Zimmer. I'm 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 bummed he's gone, but the more you hear coming out, you really feel uh, solid in the in the idea that time time for this to happen. You know, um, time well, yeah, I, I I mean, I like Zimmer, and I think he did a lot of really good. I think Zimmer did a lot of really good things for this for this organization, but I do. I do agree that it was time that the, the time it, 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 re, it had exhausted its path. The time was it's time to start fresh. That speaking of time. So it's time to let that go. And, and we're going to look ahead at the, the new coach and new GM possibilities for the Vikings in the next segment. So come on back to Vikings territory breakdown. Okay. Uh, we're back with Vikings territory breakdown with uh, myself and Mark Craig, Mark, uh, 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 the bigger news happening all this week around the Vikings is their uh, GM and, and uh, coaching search. Um, a lot of names have been thrown out there as far as who they're going to bring in and and who they're interested in. Um, we'll talk a little bit of big picture here because if we don't, uh, 
we'll have a wrestling match. You and I, you know, I, I didn't want to talk about this till they get a gal dang, uh, give me a name to talk about and then we can, but, uh, you know, the, the speculation that's, that's, that's what reigns in the, in the NFL off season. So let's, let's go with it. Just a quick rundown of people that they've committed to, uh, talking to have already talked to are Todd Bowles, uh, for coach Todd Bowles and Nathaniel Hackett uh, of Packers OC, uh, Jonathan uh, Gannon, who was at one time in the Vikings organization, Kellen Moore OC for the Cowboys. Don't give a rat's patootie about him. Uh, D'Amico Ryans is the uh, Niners defensive coordinator. Dan Quinn, defensive coordinator for the for the uh, uh, Cowboys. And, you know, I, I think some lately uh, Raheem Morris might be needed to be added to that list. So, um, you know, I have a couple questions. But first, you know, it, uh, who sticks out there for you, Mark? Who, who do you like and what do you think of the process so far? Well, they also added uh, the Rams offensive coordinator, Kevin Mc, uh, O'Connell. So, mm. yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing how quickly things change. And I think back to whenever I was covering the Browns or getting ready to cover the Browns in 1991. and. Uh, you know, legend has it that if Scott Norwood doesn't go miss if Scott Norwood makes that field goal in Super Bowl 25, the Browns don't hire the young defensive coordinator from the Giants named Bill Belichick because the Giants would have lost that Super Bowl. So you see some of that this week. I mean, uh, talk about you know, Kellen, uh, Kellen Moore was a guy, you know, number one, Cowboys were number one in points. Cowboys were number one in, in yards. Suddenly they, they played this. Right, they they play they play this stinker of a game, and suddenly it's like, hey, you know, maybe he's too young for the job. Maybe he's not ready. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's uh, defensive coordinator for the 49ers, his his uh, stock rises. Uh, well, take a look at this guy. So uh, you see, uh, Raheem Morris, you know, the, the the Cardinals had the, one of the most embarrassing opening playoff games you'll ever see. Just how they completely melted down, uh, and, and Kyler Murray throws that thing in the end zone where you know, what's he thinking there uh, and they just get blown away. So all of a sudden Raheem Morris is now a hot topic and the Vikings are going to talk to him. So these playoff games, the way they go really determines the future of some of these guys. And, and it's kind of should baffling they? to think, I, I don't think it should, you know, that, that everything that, that they think should swing that much with one game. No, yeah. I don't. Uh, I still think Kellen Moore is a, is a heck of a offensive coach. It's going to be a good our offensive coordinator. It's going to make a good head coach. I don't, but I, you do kind of question: Is he ready? Uh, but I think that you need to have. This he's is what I think. Years old. He's, yeah, yeah. He looks like when you look at when I when I look at him, I think that's who they're going to hire because <clears throat> he looks like he's uh, Zimmer's great great grandson. He's on the <laughs> offensive side side of the ball. I mean, I could just see myself looking at this guy, you know, who looks like he's 14 years old and the offensive side of the ball as the complete opposite. I do find it interesting that five of the eight guys that they've requested to talk to are defensive court, are defensive side of the ball. So that surprises me. I'm really surprised by that. But I think, you know. Don't you think the defense needs help right now, the offense? Yeah, but I I might just uh, typically – you go from offense to defense. I know last time they went, you know, Leslie was defense and they went defense. Uh, but you, when you make this higher, you're looking longer term. You're looking at which, where is the direction of the franchise going? I, I would say the defense needs fixed, but I would also say if you're going to keep Kirk Cousins, I want an offensive guy to work with Kirk Cousins. 
I mean, Kirk Cousins is now going into year 11. Um, and we're still talking about let's get get something more out of him. It, you know, it took down Spielman. It took down Zimmer. Uh, I'm not saying that's the only reason they got they got taken down, but Kirk Cousins played a huge role. Mike in 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 Rick Spielman losing his job, Mike Zimmer losing his job. So if you're going to keep him, which I think you can still get something out of him, you get an offensive guy. Uh, now that's why you know Hackett is a guy that really intrigues me. First of all, he comes from the Packers. You know, he, he came in with uh, Lafleur in 2019. You know, I don't know how much of a role. He, you know, he, obviously, Aaron Rodgers is going to be good no matter who's coaching him. But Aaron Rodgers just is going to win back-to-back MVPs here. You know, it'll, it's just a matter of time when it'll be announced. Um, so, and also, this is a guy that took, you know, went to the AFC Championship game and would have played at uh, at US Bank Stadium in Super Bowl Fifty Two. Uh, he was with the Jaguars, and Blake Bortles was their quarterback, and they almost beat the Patriots. To, to come to the Super Bowl, so you know, and he's also like 39 years old, I think, or he's uh, 42. So it's a younger guy, offensive guy, has all the the background you're you're looking for. Now uh, they've already interviewed him, which tells me that because they they said that they are going to hire their GM first, but for them to to take that op- window of opportunity to, to interview him without the GM tells me that the organization is thinking. This is the, this is a guy that we really seriously interested in, and when they get the GM, will the GM be on board? If the GM's on board, they already have the first interview out of the way. So uh, he he's a guy right now that intrigues me of all the guys on that list. Uh, I would say. So so how does that work then? Do you do you bring in the GMs and say, okay, this is who we like, uh, or do you like him? <laughs> if you don't, you know. You know, I, to me, it's not going to work unless, because the Browns have tried different ways of doing things. And one time they hired their the GM after the coach, and they've tried it every different way because they've, you know, screwed it up. Uh, they're like they're like Edison with the light bulb. Was it? I found out a thousand ways not to make a light bulb, and the thousand and one is when you uh, when he found it. So make an omelet, right? Yeah. So um, it better be the GM's hire. Uh, but I'm just saying that they. You know, it tells me that they really like him to, to bring him in because it's it's really hard to, to change them both in the same year because you gotta gotta you're looking at a, you're looking at a long term thing but you gotta do it in a hurry. So are, are, you know, are am I just impatient? Yes, I am. Uh, that stuff isn't happening sooner. I suppose you can't really announce much here until the end of the season. Or do you? Ha- is this a process of they gotta? Uh, then with the Rooney Rule, interview more coaches, and so they, you know, and they have to go through those steps, even though they've already got somebody that they like. You know, uh, it, it seems like to me, with so many teams out there that are looking for coaches and GMs, that you'd want to jump on the one if you like a guy, you got to get him before someone else does. And maybe I'm wrong there. Well, but my goodness, Joe, it, this happened eight days ago. I don't care. So we it was. It was it was a week ago Monday um, that they that they cleaned house, um, and they've because already interviewed. Red wine bottles still sitting around uh, TCO from Zimmer. I suppose they haven't cleaned those out yet. Huh? Yeah, but I mean, so they've already they've already interviewed how uh, I don't know how many interview GMs uh, they've interviewed a handful of them. They got more yeah. coming tomorrow or yeah tomorrow I think on Friday. Uh, I would expect the GM is probably here uh, early next week. 
so you're talking two weeks to get a GM. That, that'd be pretty fast. Uh, and to me, if, you, if you're losing the guy, like say, I mean, I, I'm not saying drag your heels and hire a GM in February, but if you lose a GM and it's only been a week or like, cause uh, one of the guys, the, the guy from Kansas city polls is supposedly having a second interview with the giants. Uh, the bears are interested in him. I'm talking about. But I'm saying if you lose a guy uh, on a, on a day or two, then he probably didn't want to come here. Uh, yeah. so, uh, so yeah, to me, I think that it's, yeah, in today's world, we want to, we want to hit that refresh button. And if it was 30 seconds ago that we hit it, we want something new now, which is the beauty of uh, sports, uh, uh, media is they found a way to refresh that button with another mock draft every 30 seconds or, you know, yeah. uh, in real time when you're, when you're making real hires and trying to find out the direction of your team for the next, hopefully. 15, 20 years or whatever, if you're hiring young enough, it's going to take at least uh, more than eight days, Jeff. Are you surprised that maybe it's because they're still playing and they didn't have a buy that we haven't seen uh, Biennemi come in or be announced on that list as a possible candidate for the Vikings head coach? And then McDaniels done. Pardon me? I'm surprised, yeah. I, uh, as, as When you're casting this wide of a net um, – I would think there would be more offensive guys on there. Um, you know, the, these are the eight that we know of, and I don't know if there's going to be more. Uh, but, yeah, I would say, uh, you know, I, McDaniel I, – I would say McDaniels is, is, could, is, would be added if they, if they hire uh, Wolf or if they hire even Austin Fort, um, you know. But McDaniels is that guy. Is he, you know, is he, is he ready? Is he going to make that leap? You know, he – the Colts went down that path and got screwed. So uh, there's, there's a lot of hesitation with this guy. I would imagine that if he does it again, he's not going to do. He's not going to back out again. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. Bienemy, you know, which I think everyone's surprised with Bienemy and just that he hasn't had a head coaching opportunity yet. Le- Leslie Frazier's not going to be coming in here. No, is he? no, no I, I know. I I love Les, and that, but yeah, you don't, you can't, you couldn't sell that one. I don't no, think fans I, would. Uh, I don't know why you keep hearing about it too, because you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of been there, done that. And, you know, it just it doesn't make sense for for these guys to have kicked him to the curb and then say, "Okay, bring him back." That sounds like they're they're you know desperate. But the the word the, has been. Go ahead. If there's one thing I know, it's not going to happen. It's not Leslie Frazier's not coming through that door. The word has been. It's a. It's a. It's a. Uh, 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 the Vikings have one of the best, most attractive is the word I'm looking for situations right now with a patient ownership and a, an offense and a, a quarterback who makes way, way, way too much money. And uh, do you still think that's true uh, that, that they can kind of wait a little bit, they can take their time and get it right. Cause there's going to be people really interested in this job. I mean, yeah, I think it's an attractive job, but I think it's a job that, um, you better have a plan for the quarterback uh, financially. Right. The quarterback, uh, though, you know, it's a, it's attractive in that. Okay, if you're coming in, you know, you're, you're you know, the Wilfs are going to be patient. The Wilfs are going to give you. They're going to spend money. If you want something, if you and your GM need something, they they, they have a track record of giving it to them. Uh, and it, so patience, uh, the, the resources, the uh, facility, um, the stadium. Uh, you know, it's not a situation where you're, 
you know, worried like Jacksonville, you know, they're always seeing, you know, we need a new stadium. Are they going to move? Um, but, you know, Jacksonville, do you like Trevor Lawrence? And do you think you can get something out of Trevor Lawrence? Because he's, he's affordable, you know, and I, uh, Justin Fields, if you like him, you know, he's going to be on that rookie contract too. Uh, Kirk Cousins right now is the biggest question mark. Yeah. It's, you know, do you, first of all, his price has to come down, but if, but if his price comes down, you're, you're attaching yourself to him longer term. And does it, do, do they want that? Um, what can you get in a trade? You know, I would imagine if you trade him, you, you better have a quarterback that you're going to draft that you think you can play, or you better be getting that quarterback back or something. That's, that's the one that, that's the biggest question mark. I do think it's an attractive job, but whoever is taking on that job has to have a plan. For what do you do with, with, uh, with eight, number eight? And the reason I think you do is because and I was, was going to ask this a question, but I'm going to say I don't think – I think the Wills are going to ask those questions in the interview session. They're going to say, what's your plan? Because I don't know that they have one with what to do with uh, Kirk Cousins. I, you know, I don't know if they have what they think should be done. And they're going to expect this guy to match that. Okay, you're hired. I I agree with you. I think they're they're kind of saying, well, we're not sure what we should do here with Kirk Cousins or what's your plan. And maybe that's going to be the big selling point. Well, I think that they uh, what helps them is that they they have Rob Brzezinski. You, you know, he can work magic. Uh, there's a limit to what he can do. He could, you know, in 2019 when they went from a playoff team that won in in New Orleans to, you know, uh oh. You know, we can no longer afford our top three corners, our nose tackle, you know, that, that when they couldn't afford Zimmer's defense, I mean, not even Rob Brzezinski could save them on that. So yeah. I think they have a feeling for what, what you know, Rob obviously knows what he can do uh, within, you know, he's got to work with Kirk's people too, but they need to know, A, you know, are they sold on, can Kirk Cousins be that guy? What, what's the trade value? What, what, did, what are the trade possibilities? Um, and if you, if you think you can, can win with Kirk Cousins, if you're, if you're a Hackett and you came in and you think I got, I, we can do this, then it's, how do we work out the financials? So yeah. The uh, million dollar question is, is Kirk going to renegotiate? Yeah. And it's also a question of, you know, is the person not, cause not everybody, I don't know if you know this, but Kirk's kind of a divisive guy, you know, divisive figure. You got to like 50. It's Kirk is Kirk is the United States of America right now. <laughs> half, half the country hates him. Half the country loves him. And yeah. they, and they cannot find a middle ground. So uh, he's, you know, where does the guy stand on Kirk Cousins and can he win with Kirk Cousins? Yeah. Um, well, let's jump on to the GM candidates. Let me run down them real quick for you. I want to ask a few questions about there. We got, I can't even pronounce some of this. Quezzy Adolfo. Mensa is Cleveland Browns VP of operations. We have Brandon Brown, Philadelphia Eagles director of player personnel, Glenn Cook, the Cleveland Browns VP of player personnel, Ryan Poles, Kansas City Chiefs executive director of player personnel, Elliot Wolf, who you mentioned, New England Patriots scouting consultant, John Spitek, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, vice president of, pers- of player personnel, Monty Ossenfort, Tennessee Titans director of player personnel, and Catherine Reichi, uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Vice President of Operations. You know, off the top, you know, the, the big the big picture, I like the, the diversity on that list. Uh, and I will say, though, that I'm not interested in anybody from the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, that, it's funny. Just going back real quick, Doug Peterson, is is he going to get called in here as a, a potential coaching interview? 
guy who I'm so far. I mean, he's a, he's a guy he didn't they didn't have to request uh, make any requests for. Obviously, mm. um, you know, if one of these Eagles GMs comes in, I would imagine that uh, there might. You know, although he got fired with the, with the right. Eagles, I mean that that the Eagles demise was so quick that uh, you know you Super Bowl and in, in the Vikings backyard and are in their stadium, and then uh, you know within four years was it that uh, you know. Yeah. The whole thing fell apart. Um, you know, I, I, I like some of the, like, polls. Uh, don't know him personally, but, you know, when you're 13 years with the Chiefs, you're 36 years old, you're on the rise. Obviously, um, he's seen it. He's seen it all. He's been there through the whole of the Andy, all of Andy Reid's years, yeah. uh, working with Brett Veach. Uh, you know, this is a team that's gone to two Super Bowls, might be going to, you know, if they get by Buffalo, I think they're they're going to three in a row. Yeah. Um, just the fact that you've been in that, you've seen it, you, you've experienced it, you've been a part of, of what these winning teams, uh, uh, like six straight division championships. I think I made reference to this on the podcast before, but before Andy Reid showed up, they had won six division championships in 42 years. This guy wins them six in six years, uh, the last six years. So goes to two Super right. Bowl. Yeah. yeah, so uh, Austin Ford is a guy you know, in Tennessee that, there is no team that overcame more adverse, more injuries than than, than uh, Tennessee did. They lost and their the best Vikings? player. Come on. Yeah. Yep. Then they lost their best player, and they still got the number one seed in the AFC. Plus, Austin Ford is a longtime uh, you know, Patriots way guy. He's, uh, he's learned it the right way. Um, uh, Wolf, obviously, these are all guys in their late thirties, early forties, um, kind of the can give you the future of the the Vikings, and you. I want. I'd want them to come from, you know, a winning tree, a winning organization. That's, and and then then, so much of this, I would imagine, if you're an owner, uh, is the feeling you get when you talk to them. So we don't we don't have that. I mean, I will tell you that when they've hired Fran Foley, and we said this before he was fired. Uh, I remember Kevin Seifert. We all got one on ones, and Kevin Seifert and I went in there. And for our two-on-one, because Kevin was still with the Star Tribune at the time, and within a minute, we knew that this – we were like, I, I can't believe they hired this guy. He was such a fraud. I mean, he came off to me as such a fraud uh, and just just full of – full of it, full of, you know, whatever you fill in your blank. And, you yeah. know, he was gone. He was only there for, for a couple of months. And the organization – you know, that hire scares me because they hired that guy. But I think they did a better job with Rick. Rick got a, uh, obviously had a long, long time to to, to do this, uh, to, to win. He didn't win enough. Um, but the Will hired fully? Well, when, uh, yeah. Wow. They, that's when they, they that's when they sold whenever they, uh, yeah, that was going into 2006. Uh, they, they bought the team. They had, they had 2005. Uh, they fired Tice right after the season. Foley was coming in as uh, I don't think it was called GM, but he was, was coming in and not. Yeah, he and he was, you know, well he he what he he is what he he was what he was because he he was gone. Uh, he didn't even make the uh, media guy. He was gone so quick. <laughs> yeah, I've never. Uh, that, that's what concerns me about this whole thing. I hope Rob Brzezinski has a lot to say because uh, 
I'm just, uh, I'm not sure if I trust the Wolves to make the right calls on their own. So, you know, and I think they're doing their due diligence and I think, you know, so far so good on that. They're, 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 they're casting a wide net, like you said, but still a little bit of concern there for me. Well, <clears throat> um, you know, we'll see what happens and that's going to be going forward. I, I wish they'd make a decision today. And then we can do this all over again tomorrow. We have another podcast. But instead, we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and talk about the NFL playoffs and, and get a little prediction segment going. Mark uh, Mark and I have already started. So uh, come on back to Vikings Territory Breakdown. <clears throat> okay, nice. All right, we're back with Vikings Territory Breakdown. Uh, Joe Oberly and Mark Craig hammering it out. Mark, uh, wild week. Uh, not exact, you know, the wild card week was not exactly wild this past week. There was one wild finish, but the rest, there were a lot of them were kind of blowouts. And, uh, you know, the Raiders over the Bengals. The Bengals finally won their first playoff game in 31 years. The rest were a factor in that one. The, I mean, we can go down these. You want to take this off a little bit and talk? You got anything to, to, to say about them? or? What do you think? What do you think of the Bengals game? Well, I I, I picked the Raiders. Um, you did. A couple of things about that game. That, that the idiot kick returner that fielded the ball at the two yard stood out stepped out of bounds at the two yard line. That hurt him. Derek Carr's. Uh, you know, we talk about Kirk Cousins holding the ball too long. Derek Carr holds the ball too long. Has yeah. no sense in the pocket. It's strip sack. They that's a, a short field. Touchdown. And I wish they'd stop talking about trading Kirk Cousins for Derek Carr. I want no part of yeah, it. Yeah, it's kind of a wash, I think. Uh, but then the, the the inadvertent whistle, you know, it's kind of like the Joe Montana rollout, you know, and as he's going out of bounds, he throws it. In real time, I remember hearing the whistle and thinking, you know, and, and I think it the defensive – before the reception. Right, and the defensive back did pull up. So that should and, – and they they reviewed it. They reviewed it, and they still didn't get the call right. So all these delays, and all, I'm, I'm so tired of the officials being a part of the game. Uh, it's just exhausting, and they got to figure out a way to do this better. And I don't like the fact that it's an all-star crew because you saw a lot, of time, a lot of huddles. These are guys that are working together for the first time. Why not make it the crew so they're more familiar with each other? Uh, I don't like that. Uh, I had ref in that game. I've never been a fan of. I, I I just don't see. It seems like he calls more penalties to control the game rather than let the game dictate what they're going to do. You know, out there. You know, and I'm I'm with you. I don't. I am. I was kind of frustrated with the refs in that game and throughout the playoffs. Yeah, but I, at the atmosphere, um, you know, having obviously I used to go to Cincinnati twice every once a year to when I covered the Browns and uh, to see a laughingstock franchise. They were laughingstocks before the Browns were laughingstocks. So. Um, the, the the atmosphere and to see a, see that franchise win something for the first time in 31 years was that was kind of cool. That, that was probably the most electrifying crowd I think that, that was out there, to, except for when the Rams were just beating the crap out of the Cardinals. What did you see in the Raiders that you picked them? You know, I, I just thought Cincinnati was not going to. You know, first of all, I I, I compared myself because we you know let's just get it out there. You I picked six picks that were out there black and white in print electronically <laughs> all over the world. People in Russia were reading my picks, Joe. And uh, you, you, you scribbled yours on a piece of toilet paper and said that, Hey, here's who I picked. And so you were five and one. I was four and two. Uh, I compare myself to a modern major league baseball hitter, Joe. I, I swing in case I swing hard in case I hit it. 
I got a I had a home run with the 49ers or the Cowboys. You did. You had five like uh Rod Carew uh infield clubs. Five, five playoffs, Mark. You, you you picked six home teams and got five of them right. So you're like Rod Carew getting in bunch of I just pick winners. I just pick yeah. winners. Um I will admit, and you know, I, you know, in the side, I'll do this. I when I thought no way that the Raiders were going to win out there because I've had Derek Carr on my family season. And he's okay, this train wreck of a season was finally coming to an end. So that's who I was thinking. When I saw years in the paper that you had picked them, I was really surprised. And that's when I, you know, it was by the time I said something to you, the game had already started. So, you know, that one you uh, probably get a little grief on, but you know, you're going to have to find some forensic evidence of that. And I will not provide any, I'm not going to provide any documents, you know, going forward. So have you have been shredding documents at home or that is correct. But uh, so anyway, yeah. And you know, I, the other thing is I wanted, uh, I wanted the cards to beat the, the Cowboys, which was your other another of your upset pick, which came through. You know, I was I was with you on that one. Uh, I, I wanted I wanted uh, no, not the cards. I got that wrong. Let's see. Forty Niners, Forty Niners, yes. Which was a great pick on your part. You know, uh, I have thought the Cowboys were kind of frauds all year. It was just another year. It seemed had a little more steam this year. Every year they talk about, oh, the Cowboys are back and they're going to do it this year and they're Super Bowl favorites and blah 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 because they play in the NFC East and there's no other team up there. But I thought all along, especially after they played the Vikings, this team is not that good. And you saw it that uh, the Niners, who had a great defense, uh, are going to come in and they're on a roll, and, and they knocked them off. They, that game should have never been that close. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the 49ers. I mean, I, I'm not the only person that said they were a tough matchup. Uh, they're so physical. They had just beaten the Rams. They would beaten a division winner earlier in the year. Um, healthy. You know, they're not, they may not be healthy going to, to Green Bay, but they were healthy going into that Dallas game. And, you know, the – I'm not, saying, I'm not saying Dallas is a fraud like you. I, I thought that Dallas was inconsistent offensively, real good offensively, potential to be lights out offensively. And I like their pass rushers and, and uh, you know, their takeaways. Um, but, you know, I just ha- had, a, I mean, a lot of, like last year, um, four of the lower seeds beat the higher seeds. Um, the, only, the only ones that, yeah, so it was just um, – you know, the there were, there were people in the stadiums, and that was a difference. Yeah, oh, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But they're better teams. You know, threes and yeah. fours uh, lost. You know, last year the twos won uh, because the sevens shouldn't be in the playoffs. But uh, yeah, so I was, I, I was, I was swinging for the fences on. Uh, I, now the one where I, I really, I, I honestly did believe that the, the Raiders would win that game. I did believe in the 49ers. The Cardinals is probably the one where I went a little uh, on a on a, re- a reach, which I yeah. thought at the time, even a time, was a reach. But just kind of going for that, hey, there's going to be upsets. There's going to be upsets. Which ones it's going to be? Yeah. I probably should have just played that one straighter, knowing that um, you know uh, LA's got a pretty good defense, and that uh, I'm good about that. And I just had seen the Cardinals uh, up and down all year, and the Vikings should have beat them, and. And, you know, Kyler Murray has moments of brilliance and then moments of 
of panic. You know, I mean, he, uh, I've got a buddy that's a VP out there for the Cardinals. I used to work at the Timberwolves with, and he said, you know, coming into the playoffs, they, they were 0-4 at one point in opportunities to clinch a playoff spot going back to last year. So he said it was just more of the same. They finally did get in. So I thought, okay, they're ready for a down. And I was, I was pretty, pretty confident in that pick, but. Uh, and, and I was actually thinking the opposite. Cause yeah, I mean, uh, if you look at, at the three years of Cliff King, Kingsbury, uh, it has been fast starts and finishes. Spot, by the way, saw that yes. in the this morning. Congratulations, yes. very good for you. I, so, I like that. People, people of our only a people yeah. of our age would understand it, but um, yeah, I mean, I, it's always start yeah, fast, finish slow. Well, I figured they get in the playoffs now, they're going to go back up, and they boy, do they do anything but go back up? Because uh, yeah, they finished. They were the coldest team coming into the playoffs, and I went with the the NFL opposites. Uh, do don't do as I say, do as I, you know, do or whatever. Right. Where it's like you think you think this, but this is going to happen. Uh, and I outsmarted myself on that one for sure. Um, Bills, your your buddy Bill Belichick got beat, and he got it handed to him by the Bills. That's uh, wasn't a, you know, I didn't think it would be that that bad. I thought that would be more competitive. I was really surprised by that game. You. Yeah, uh, I mean Brian Dable. Uh, I said that his stock as a as a as a head coaching candidate, the offensive coordinator for the Bills, was on the rise because he had he pitched the perfect game. He he played Belichick. He had eight possessions. He had seven touchdowns and one kneel down with with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback. And it doesn't get any better than that. Um, you know, like a lot of people will oversimplify. You know, Belichick versus Brady. You know, Brady goes on. Belichick loses his first game. Well, a couple things. One, you know, Brady didn't didn't pick the Jaguars when he decided to jump. He picked the team Taylor made for him. I'm not saying that he isn't the reason that they he willed him into the playoffs, but that was not a Jacksonville Jaguars that he willed into the playoffs. And secondly, you know, Belichick, I, I, I tend to give him, you know, that that was a bad game. You know, it was a bad look, but he won ten. He went ten and seven with Mac Jones, who was the fifth quarterback taken. The four quarterbacks taken ahead of Mac Jones went a combined nine and thirty-three. Wow. So I give Belichick a little bit of credit for getting a ten-win season out of a rookie quarterback. Um, and the and the playoff game was a clunker. But you know, uh, I've seen it. People say and written that you know this is it. This is the, the final judgment, and you know, Brady wins and Belichick loses. And, Nice. Yeah, hasn't won a playoff game with all Brady since '94, Mark. Yeah, uh, I was there. Uh, Vinny Testaverde, he beat the Patriots and Bill Parcells at Cleveland Stadium. Wow. Uh, the Bucks over the Eagles. Yeah, we knew that was going to happen. No big, big deal there. Just sets up. Awful nothing. game. Awful game. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Hurts has got some some work to do. No, I, they, Jalen Hurts needs to be a backup. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with you. Uh, Chiefs over the Steelers. Uh, no awful surprise. game. Another awful game. It was. It, it, it's this. It's almost like the Steelers know, not Steelers. The Chiefs know. Got to turn it up for the playoffs because they were clicking on all cylinders and they and they, and they looked unbeatable. They were playing a, a, a Steelers team that's just heading down. So yeah, no, and I don't care what how the Steelers looked on uh, whatever day, the Sunday or whatever day it was. The job that Mike Tomlin did to get that outfit into the playoffs. Was yeah. fantastic. I voted for uh, Mike Rabel for Coach of the Year, but you know uh, Belichick was in consideration. Tomlin, I I think Tomlin was in consideration for how he got that team into the play. This guy has coached 15 years and never had a losing season. 
I, I, I got to go back to the Cowboys game for one reason, you know, the final play of the game. Uh, there's been so much hand-wringing about what happened. You know, they the, the, the Cowboys call a, a quarterback draw with 14 seconds left and no timeouts. It's a matter of running down the field, uh, getting down, clocking the ball, and, and then throwing a Hail Mary into the end zone from about three yards out. Um, they couldn't do it. They screwed up. They lost. But and there was all this talk about, you know, was this the right call? They were, you know, on and on and on. And I just want to say, I think it's freaking karma because you know there was a hail mary in 1975 that uh, the Dallas got credit for for getting, which they shouldn't have. And still going there, huh? They're still paying that bill. Yes, and you didn't see all the hand wringing on on social media, maybe because it wasn't in existence yet. But uh, about about that, you know, that was the hail mary. That was the greatest thing ever. Well, this, you know, you know, you know, they had in in both instances there were people throwing things at the referees. This is this is just the circle closing that Dallas got burned here by this. You know, anyway. I still think you you threw that orange that came into the screen. <laughs> I should have. If I'd have been there, I would have. Um, I, I guess you know. I even in two thousand nine, there you know there wasn't. You, you saw you saw this forensic breakdown of this play as, as whether or not the, the ref spotted the ball quickly enough for the Cowboys. And I mean, I have and I I saw so many people talking about. It. I only saw one play or one ESPN deal where they. Yes, that happened to Favre and the Vikings. Totally blunders in that game, and you never saw, you know, talk about that. It's just okay. That's gone. You know, freaking East Coast bias. All right, all right. That's all I want to say. You know, I, I it, there's there's so much now because it's the Cowboys. But you know, are you saying Vikings, that, we got robbed in 2009? I'm sorry. Are you saying that there was nothing said about what was done to Favre and the and the Vikings in two, in, at New Orleans? Oh, no, not, not necessarily to Favre. You know, that there was talk about yeah, that. Have you, have you heard of Bounty, Bounty Gate? You know, the uh, overtime. Bounty Gate. The overtime. Hey, this, yeah, 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 yeah right. Leap, what, Lieber, the pass interference or whatever, yes. blah, blah, blah. And a spotting yeah. of the ball that was te- was terrible. Another catch that was, that was not reviewed that was clearly dropped. And it was like five different things. And Trey Wingo did something on ESPN. He goes, you know, let's not get a lot of steam out there, but he went through like five different things that happened in that over, and you can find it online. And it just makes your jaw drop. Had that happened today, Kevin Seifert would have wrote a story about it. So I'm saying, but uh, Kevin, well, they, Kevin they, 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 you know, the Vikings could have done themselves some favors by not turning the ball over five times in that game. Oh my God, how does this guy get on this podcast? What's going on? <laughs> Who is this guy anyway? But by right. now, going back to the Cowboys. You can, I mean, to me, the referees—they're part of the game. I—I—I uh, I, I, I didn't know how it ended, but whenever he he came to the end, did uh, did Dak hand him the ball, or does it stay on the ground, or what? He handed it to handed it to his he handed it to his uh, center, and the center placed it, and the ref came in and had to move it to where it was oh. supposed to be placed. So you don't hand it to your center; you hand it to the referee. Or here, here, here's an idea. And this is you know, where Kellen Morton probably didn't do himself any favors this weekend. You don't call a quarterback draw with 14 or 20 seconds and no timeouts and, and think that everything's going to be perfectly going to line up. I mean, they could have they could have lined up and, and had a false start, and then that's the end of the game. You know, so dumb call, uh, 
they did, they did, you know, to me, if you're going to, that, that's how you're going to call the end of the game. You deserve whatever didn't go perfect because this is not a perfect league. Things don't happen perfectly. Yeah, they said the conventional wisdom is 17 to 18 seconds to, to for that last play to do that, to, to do a play like that, where they only had 14. That's, it was a, uh, it was it was a mistake bound to happen, but you know Mike McCarthy stood by it. He he okayed it. Uh, Kellen Moore apparently called it, and McCarthy okayed it, and he stood by it afterwards. And do you think uh, his 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 job might be on the line? Oh, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't think so. Um, I mean, it was, it was a kind of a weird year because he had a lot of clock management snafus throughout the year. Seems like we were constantly talking about what Mike McCarthy did or didn't do, but the Cowboys won, you know. So I would I would imagine uh, with Jerry, you know, uh, you're you're on notice, but I can't see him losing his job this year. Okay, well, let's let's make a, a quick predictions for the divisional round here coming up uh, before we get out of here. Uh, we got uh, four games. We have uh, I don't even have it written down. I know the Packers are pl- are hosting the. Uh, Hosting the, uh, I can't remember. I know I'm picking the Packers. Whoever they're Forty Niners, the Forty Niners. Uh, the uh, Bills are hosting the Chiefs. The Titans are hosting the Bengals, and the Rams are going to the Bucks. I got mine. I know who I'm. I'm going to pick. Do you want me to go first since I I'm in the lead, or do you want to go first? Oh, so so you know, being the you know the, the gambling man that you are, I got you with four home teams. Right. All I gotta say beforehand, it's it's for a Mankato beer. We got we have it's been oh. all the way to the end of the show. So one oh five fifty eight. That's the latest you've ever done, Mankato. I, I was saving it for that. Mad Butcher or Mad and Mad Butcher Prime. There's all kinds of them. I get them for free. You're gonna have to pay for it. So. Um. All right. Uh. No, I don't have. Well, I'm not gonna tell you. Go ahead and make your picks. I do not have. Four. I think I. I think I have. I got Tennessee over Cincinnati. So do I. I got you know, Green Bay as my Super Bowl pick uh, over San Francisco. I got Tampa Bay over the Rams. That, to me, is going to be, a fan, I think, a fantastic game. Uh, I don't see the Rams winning there, but they very That's well could. I'm going to give you a chance. And I tell you what, I haven't made my picks for the paper yet, but for this purposes, I'm going to go KC over Buffalo. But that one, you got to – I mean, because it might be different in the paper. So, um uh, right now, I, I'm leaning toward Kansas City over Buffalo, but something tells me we can Buffalo is going to win. Until you know, we start playing. Yeah. I, something, I, uh, tells me, something tells me Buffalo I'm is going to win that game. I Buffalo was my, pre-se- or my preseason pick. I, I thought they would be in the Super Bowl. So I'll, I want to stick with them, but I'm not going to. I'm, I'm going KC. And I, I'm not really happy or uh, confident. That's what I'm going with. We do differ on I'm going to take the Rams in the upset. I think that uh, this is an opportunity. This is where the 40-year-old man, 44-year-old man, by the Rams defense, and he might not be able to, with all their injuries, do anything about it. So uh, I'm going to pick the Rams, and that's so we have have a chance for you to, to catch me this week. Uh, I like that pick because uh, with, that, with their offensive line beat up and uh, – you know, Brady always has problems, you know, up the middle. Um, so to Aaron Donald, and they did, you know, the, the Rams did beat him um, this year. Right. So Aaron Donald, 
I, actually, all my picks will be based on what I do in the paper because I, I just kind of did this on the fly here. But uh, I do oh, like your Rams okay. pick. Okay. Well, how? I suppose. I see that's how it goes, you know. As soon as you hear my picks, now you know what picks to make. Oh, yeah, that does, you know, the great football mind that you are. I just, yeah. <laughs> well, that'll do it for this week. We'll be back to battle it out over that uh, tasty Mankato brewery beer. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Mike uh, Woden behind the scenes, thanks, thanks for uh, producing it. And uh, Mark, thank you. Thanks, guys. We'll uh, – We'll see you next week when we do this again. And until then, skull.